This is our second session looking at this wonderful promise uh, rooted in God's faithfulness in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I said last time that I, I wanted it to be more wonderful than it usually is taken to be. It is wonderful the way people usually understand, but it, it's even more wonderful. First, like we saw last time, if you realize it says not only no temptation has overtaken you, that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. But even more, we argued, it means bigger than that. No testing, no situation in life that tests your faith in any way has overtaken you but what is common to man and God is faithful and he will not let you be tested with cancer or with loss of job or with relational breakdowns or with financial crisis or with the disappointments of your children or anything at all in life that threatens to wreck your faith. He won't let you be tested beyond your ability, but with the test, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So what we want to do this time is save for next time how God is faithful. How does God work to do this? But we want to ask this time, what does he do? What does it mean to provide a way of escape from tests and temptations that we may be able to endure it. So, Father, as we struggle to understand what escape means and what endurance means, show us what we can count on. Because this is a promise, Lord. This is for your people. You have pledged yourself on your faithfulness that you're going to do this we need to know what it is so that we can rest in it, trust you for it. So I ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. First, let's make sure we see this word and this word, which is one word in Greek. No test, no temptation has taken you. The word is simply taken. And just let it sink in that he could have said here, no temptation has come to you or no temptation has happened to you or no temptation has been experienced by you. And he didn't say any of those. He said, taken. No, no temptation has come along and snatched you because there is a real sense when we experience hardships or allurements to sin that we feel taken we don't, we don't feel like, I didn't do this. It snuck up on me and lodged itself in me, and I'm, I'm doubting God's goodness, or I'm lured into sin, and it's taken me, which is why we need escape, right? They go together here. If we've been taken, and we're, we're about to become a permanent prisoner, and our whole life wrecked and faith ruined, we need escape from being Taken. That's the first observation with that word taken. The second thing is anthropinos. This simply means human. I think that's a good translation probably because if you translated it human, you might think um, that 
we aren't tempted by Satan, who is superhuman. But of course, we are tempted by Satan. In fact, Paul says we, we labor or we uh, wrestle not against flesh and blood, which is human, but we wrestle against uh, principalities and powers and, and world rulers of this present darkness. So, so human here, no temptation and no testing has come upon you except what is human doesn't mean you only get tempted by humans or you only get tempted in human ways. It means that in all of the demonic, satanic, principality-like temptations that may come against us, God admits, God is faithful. He won't let, this is just amazing here, don't, don't miss this, God won't let, that's massive sovereignty, isn't it? He will not let any testing. He will not let any temptation. God has the omnipotent power to not let temptations come to you that he doesn't want to let come to you, and he doesn't let any testing come to you but what he wants to come to you. This is a massive statement of the absolute control and sovereignty of God over the situations in your life. And what he's saying is, even though he may let Satan at you, may let principalities and powers after you, which are superhuman, none of them come to you except within the bounded, limited way that is suited to humans, something like that. So, that's to be an encouragement. He doesn't let it get out of hand. He is sovereign over what comes into your life. Now we're in a position to move down here and see what really happens. God won't let you be tempted or tested beyond what you're able to do. We'll see what, how, how he does that next time. But here's what he does. He will provide a way of escape. He will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Notice, it doesn't say there's an escape from the testing. There's an escape from the temptation so that you don't have to endure it. That's not what it says. <laughs> it's shocking what it does say. There is a way of escape so you can endure it. So escape from temptation, escape from testing doesn't always mean getting out of the situation. Right? The situation of allurement from evil or the situation of temptation to doubt the goodness of God because of the sickness that has come into your spouse's life. No. So we need to understand how that works. So here's what I did. I looked up the two other places, and there are only two in the New Testament where this particular word occurs. And if we look at them, we get a lot of light shed on what does it mean that he always will provide escape for endurance. Here's the first one. 1 Peter 2.19. This is a gracious thing 
when mindful of God, one endures, there's the word, sorrows while suffering unjustly. While. Endure while. So the point here is that it is gracious. It is a work of grace. It is an evidence of God's grace if while suffering you endure, mindful of God, trusting God, thinking about God and His goodness, His faithfulness, His wisdom, His power, so that you don't doubt Him and curse Him in your suffering. So, this is escape, I would argue. If you are able to experience sorrows while suffering by looking to God instead of cursing God, you have escaped the design of Satan in your sorrows. You have conquered the evil one. You have escaped from unbelief. You've escaped from the sin that he wants you to do. So that's a massive meaning of escape that doesn't mean your situation gets changed. So here's the, here's the other use. 2 Timothy 3, 10 and 11, the other use of endure. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. There's the word. I endured these persecutions. Yet, from them all, the Lord rescued me. Now, that could possibly mean as he endured them, he was rescued from sinning in them. But probably here, it actually does mean what happened at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Namely, they didn't kill him. They may have stoned him, and they may have mocked him. There may have been mobs against him, but God saw fit from them all to bring him out for another day of service. So, when we read, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it, I think it has at least two meanings. One is, um, endure it while God wills it to be there, but also leave it. <laughs> when God wills that we leave it, leave it when God wills. In other words, this um, endurance goes on like this. And God gives us escapes from sin and doubt and fear and anger, all kinds of sinning. We are escaping from them while we're enduring the hardship or the allurement into sin. And he also knows the limit and he stops it and we come out and there's a healing in our life or there's a job that we get or there's a mended a relationship, and he doesn't let us have more brokenness than he gives us the grace to endure. One more text. 
This is further on in 2 Timothy. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me. The Lord stood by me. This is surely an aspect of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, faithfulness, and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to all the Gentiles, might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth, which might mean literal lions in the Colosseum, or it might mean Satan going around devouring whom he can. Let's keep reading. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Now, what does that mean? This is escape, right? The Lord is going to rescue me. He, he is faithful. He will rescue me from every evil deed. And here's the result. And bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. You do not need to be rescued from an evil deed of martyrdom in order to make it to the heavenly kingdom. In fact, an evil deed done against you in martyrdom will hasten your presence into the heavenly kingdom. And so what he's saying here is, he will rescue me from every evil, and that would be my evil deeds or evil deeds done against me that would make me apostatize, sin, give up the faith so that I would never make it to the heavenly kingdom. So this is rescue that doesn't necessarily mean he saves our life. This is rescue from kinds of evil that would keep me from making it safely to the heavenly kingdom. And so this is escape in endurance. And so I come back here to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So the, the normal meaning of this is the escape happens in the endurance of it. Graces are given so that while we are moving through the trial, moving through the temptation, grace is coming to us so that we escape sin. We don't yield to temptation. We don't yield to doubt and anger at God in the midst of our trial. We are able to endure because we've been given an escape by God's precious faithfulness, which we look at next time.